Yeah, 13 minutes late. No, Only no, no, priest. No, 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 no. No, I'm actually early in UK time. I'm so sorry. Hello. Oh, I see. Right. Are you on Are you on the half past five time? <laughs> what does that mean? Is that excuse oh. usable? No. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today in the anti-gloom Zoom room, Mr. Ryan Flurry. That's right. I came back for more. <laughs> you cannot get enough. Can you? <laughs> I can't. Clearly. I live and for AT Banter. you know what? what? It is a very special day because we are not alone in here. Tell the fine folks who else we have in here, Ryan. Today, we are welcoming back Stephen Scott from Double Tap TV and the Double Tap Canada podcast, and he has brought along his co-host, Sean Priest. So is, is, is this it? Are we on? Is this how it goes? We are on. Yeah. Rob, nice. of course, will edit it. Just like that. <laughs> you betcha. I love it. Um, we're all about flying by the seat of our pants around here, so. Oh, well, we're in great company. We've got big pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Stephen, a few months ago we had you back on AT Banter, and you guys were about to launch a online streaming service called Double Tap Now, and that has now gone live. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what the status of that network is. Yeah, well, the, here's the good news, guys: it's still on air. Which Woo-hoo! I must admit, when you think about who's behind it, it's a miracle uh, <laughs> in itself. Uh, it's still there, still going. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't use that as a as a you know particular stand up point for it. You know, I should probably say that there's, there's lots of good reasons why it's on here, um, but primarily because, of course, it's on here because of all these great shows we have. Um, you know, the show, as I mentioned before, or the network uh, was intended for two key purposes. Really, it was intended to showcase podcasts and content from around the globe, including this show. Does that mean I'll be on my own network? How does that work? You will indeed. I see. You see how I'm working this? You see how I warm my way into all the shows. <laughs> then I just end up on the network all day long. It's a great idea. It's ingenious. It is. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is that we, I wanted to start a network that gave podcasts uh, a place to be showcased. Now, I'm not saying for a second that this show or indeed any of the shows that are on the network necessarily need it. But I think it's so important for People who are out there who are hungry for, and let's be honest, there's lots of hunger for information about accessible technology from uh, the disabled community. If we're able to put all that in one place and then showcase all of these wonderful shows and and the the content that they have, then it just helps all of us, doesn't it? And I've learned a lot. I've been listening to some great shows. Um, I mean, the Accessible Technology Minute, for example, from Easter Seals that we have on uh, the network that pops up every so often. What a great feature that is. What a brilliant opportunity to learn about assistive tech, not just from the blind community, but from the disabled community, which I think is key. Um, You know, so that's one thing. And of course, we get great shows in there like Parallel with Shelley Brisbane, 
I say, you know, we've got your show as well, AT Banter, uh, you know, and many other great shows that are on there. Uh, it's just a showcase. That is what the, the network is there for, to showcase wonderful programs, wonderful podcasts that are already going on, that are already doing really well. But you know what? Why Why not? Why would you not want more audience, <laughs> right? So, you know, if, if we can give you that, then that's brilliant. And that's the whole point of the network. The second reason it exists is for live events. And who'd have thought that when we started the network, we'd have a pandemic that meant we couldn't leave the house? Um, well, that kind of knocked the live event plans on the head a little bit. Uh, so that's something we'll hopefully get into next year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. But we've, um, we can tell you uh, that we're making uh, a couple of changes to the network over the coming months. And uh, you will notice a few new things coming in. Um, one of them is that we're going to be changing, well, not changing the name, but we're going to be shortening the name uh, because Double Tap now, frankly, is too long and I'm not that smart. So saying that uh, just makes me seem daft. So I'm going to shorten it to DTN. Um, you see, a lot of thought went into that. Uh, but yes, DTN will be the name of the network going forward uh, because what we really want to drive home is the message that we are the Disability Technology Network. And those three words are very important. Disability, because we want to reach the widest community of disabled people possible. Technology, of course, because that uh, assistive technology and accessible technology that we talk about is key and that information is key to get out there. And network, because... It's not a radio station. It's not, you know, a group of people who sit in one building and present programs. It's a whole wide range of people, all with their own networks of people, who are contributing content to the, the station as it is. So the Disability Technology Network is is the framing of, of what we do going forward, and that will fall under the name, of course, DTN. And, and that is where... Um, we are going to be in the next few months. Uh, we're going to start introducing uh, some bespoke, unique programs on there as well. And we'll move towards uh, having some well, some interesting shows that I, I hope you'll really enjoy. Um, and we're, all, we're also, and I can tell you this, we're going to be adding uh, some music to the schedule as well to spice things up a little bit. Um, we're not going to tell you any more than that at the moment, guys. We've told you way more than we should have. Uh, my back will be to the wall as soon as the show's finished. But um, I'm I'm really pleased to tell you guys that it's you know we're moving on at a pace. Um, we want to bring this show to more people. We want to really bring the the kind of edginess and the um, the fun aspect to what we do on Double Tap to DTN. And we want to give more of ourselves to it. I want to be on air every day because I just want to rule the world. But I can't. So I decided to just create a radio station and talk on it all day. Um, so, you know, I hope that people will enjoy that. If not, then, well, Sean Priest will be along at some point and that will make things better. So, you know, oh, that's, that's beautiful. kind of... Thank yeah, you. I don't mean it, but I'm saying it. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's all about me. But, you know, the point is, that, you know, I, I open the door for you at least. There you go. Um, never open the door for me. I, I, I never will. I never will. But, no, I, I think it's a great opportunity to, to showcase uh, the talent that's out there. And, you know, there just aren't... There's just not enough of us, frankly, um, talking about this subject. And I think if people can feel comfortable to come on air and speak, irrespective of their disability, and you know, be welcomed on our air, then that can only be a good thing. And, it, and you know, it might in turn give confidence to someone to go for that job they were after, or at least to make that application for the job and get the interview and, and you know, smash that. But also, it might give way for more of us to get into broadcasting. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. I think one of the, the things I've talked about a lot on, on some of the radio shows I've done in the past and, and things I've done, we talk a lot about actors in movies and, you know, the disabled roles that come up. 
And there's always a debate and discussion whenever a, a, a non-disabled actor takes a role of a disabled character. And the argument always comes up, well, you know, why is Dwayne The Rock Johnson performing as a one-legged guy in, you know, Skyscraper? Why is there not someone who is disabled, you know, who only has one leg in that role? And the, the actual answer is because there aren't many actors of a status like Dwayne The Rock Johnson to take on a role like that. Right. But if you stop the argument there and just say, well, that's it, so that's that then, that's not good enough. The answer is there needs to be, but there have to be routes. There have to be ways for those disabled actors to get to those roles. They have to get the profile built up to become that. And that's kind of where I feel we need to get to with broadcasters. There needs to be a place where people can come along with their disabilities, not feel judged, not feel like their disability defines them in any way, because it doesn't. We're just people at the end of the day. And, you know, we want to be working together to create this opportunity so that, you know, the next presenter of the big radio show or the big TV program that comes along, probably mine, because someone will steal my job, um, <laughs> that that is a disabled person and it's done in their own, you know, in their own right, by themselves, but they've just been given that little bit of a, a helping hand, at least in the sense of the the ability and the place to to showcase themselves. So that's the idea of it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about the Double Tap Now network is that you have shows from the Twit network on there, like Windows Weekly and all about Android. So when you approached them to be on this disability network, what was their response? Nah, they couldn't care less. Look, the, the bottom line, and they couldn't, and honestly, they couldn't because um, they are what's called um, Creative Commons licensed broadcasters. So they are available to anyone who wants to use their content as long okay. as you broadcast it in whole. Now, of course, I did approach them to let them know we were going to do this. Um, we don't legally have to, but we did out of courtesy. And um, I got a lovely email from, from the guys at, at Twit saying, look, do you know what? Thank you so much for using our content brilliant but secondly you know good luck in what you're doing and and you know we we want you we want to support what you do by providing our programming to you so i got a really warm reception from them and uh i i got that from a lot of the people i contacted um who who were maybe what you would call mainstream podcasts i i you know the thing for twit and, and the twit network is it's a brilliant network of shows but it's no secret that what i want to create is a similar network but for disabled people right because I think that it's that deep dive in a lot of the tech that we don't have. We have a lot of surface level conversations about stuff. I know you guys do the deep dives and uh, you know, that's great. And so do we to a little, maybe a lesser extent on Double Tap. But mm. I think there, you know, if you wanted to dive into Windows 10 and Narrator or a specific feature of, for example, let's say you wanted to connect a Braille display to Windows 10 using Narrator, how would that work? But then how would it work with JAWS? Or you know, what's the deep dive on that? How does it actually work? There aren't any shows out there doing that. Right. It's a huge amount of work, right? Yeah. And and it's a lot to, to ask people to do. But it's partly because there's no cohesion on it. And I think that's the problem. There's nowhere for people to actually uh, come together and say, let's do that. Let's get the guy on who's the expert in connecting Braille displays to Windows 10 with Narrator, you know, and talk to him about that. And, you know, let's get the best person on to talk about X or Y based on Android. Right. If people, I think people still use Android. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I'm never sure. Um, but, you know, if you, <laughs> if you use Android, then there should be an Android show that really deep dives in on that. Because I often find, and it irritates me as much as it irritates Sean, I know, um, 
that you know whenever we talk about android we end up in a discussion about apple versus android and it's yeah. like i'm actually sick of that conversation because it is so irrelevant now in right. 2020 it is irrelevant you know both of them you can argue one versus the other but truthfully wherever wherever you started in your smartphone journey you know you will have a perfectly good experience with either with accessibility now let's talk about what they can actually do so that's where I think a lot of the deep dives can come in. That's where we can start to build this network of shows and podcasts and people who are talking about the uh, their experiences and their uh, their knowledge uh, in the right way. You know, so that's that's what the network is, is aiming to achieve, and and that's you know what essentially we want to do is use Twit as a a bit of a beacon mm -hmm. in that way for us to to find the right path. Very religious sounding, wasn't it? I mean to do it that way. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was beautiful. You know. Yeah. I'm uh, like the god of technology. No, I don't, that's terrible. Yeah, take that out. <laughs> Wasn't it John Lennon that got in trouble for that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's right. But no, it's it is such an important component too. I think that having this this idea of a repository that all this content can be found because I, I feel like, you know, we've always said for a long time that education um, is one of the really big challenges for assistive technology. A lot of times, even people who are in the, the disability community don't necessarily know what's out there, what's available, what's new, what's coming, what, what's coming. Um, and a lot of, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's just no real central hub of, of information for people to go to, to really become, you know, both educated in, in, um, things like, like you're talking about, like how to connect a braille display, um, or just a general, you know, what's going on within the accessibility world. Um, so the, the fact that, that this network, that you're building this network with all this different type of content that somebody can just come to and be like, okay, well, what do I need right at this moment? and can get that fulfilled, I think is a really important part of this. And, you know, like I said, I'm not going to pretend it's a new idea because Twit's already doing it. But I just love what they do. And I love that fact. And I think, you know, Leo Laporte and the guys there that do these shows, they've built such a wonderful um, podcast network because what they've done is they've, they've done exactly that. They've taken all these themes, Windows, Android, uh, iOS, Apple, it's, you know, Mac or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and sort of said, right, let's section all this out and let's make shows dedicated to those areas and deep dives on those specific things, be it apps or be it, you know, the hardware or whatever. And you've got the general shows like This Week in Tech as well. And I love all that. And I just think that there's just nothing out there that does that for accessibility. And, you know, we can sit and moan about it. We can say, mm, it's terrible, isn't it? You know, something should be done. Well, let's do something. Let's actually just create the damn thing, right? Because why not? I'm, I'm you know, I'm not that busy. Are you busy, Sean? You don't do anything. No, exactly. So he's got nothing to do. It's a good point, though. It is about that discoverability as well, isn't it? Because, you know, so many people, oh, have you heard this podcast? And just also, I think it's sort of testament to how... Um, how much podcasting, especially in, in what we do, has uh, evolved, you know? I mean, I know you've been around a long time um, here. And, you know, when you go back to the very start when um, all this podcasting and accessible tech started uh, to where we are now, there's some amazing uh, people out there and some amazing shows. And trying to get all that together and show um, and have it in one place where you 
might not know of the, a certain show, but it's amazing and you should know about it. That discoverability is important. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, another point I wanted to touch on a little bit is, are there plans to release a schedule of when shows are on or are they just in rotation and just kind of hit and miss? Well, it's a great question, actually, because one of the things we did when we started this, the intention was we would run a playlist of content on loop and we would run that playlist of content, you know, and, and essentially just build the network through listening, through people just tuning in. But very quickly, Sean, we, we both kind of came to the conclusion, didn't we, that we really needed a schedule. People needed a reason. Yes. A, a, a reason to listen, but B, also to know what their favorite shows were. Right. And you're absolutely right. And, and one of the challenges we had is the... <laughs> This is going to sound like I'm complaining. And I'm not complaining. How honest are you going to be here? Steve? I'm going to be honest, right? I'm, okay. I'm always honest. You ask me a question, I'll answer it. Right, but here's the thing. Just don't ask my PIN number. I don't give that. Um, just putting that out there. Um, but no, the, the thing was, you know, we looked at all these shows, and, and you know, because they're podcasts, they start life as podcasts. They all come in at varying lengths. Mm -hmm. They don't all, you know, they're not all coming in as beautiful half-hour shows or one-hour-long shows. They all come in at different lengths. So, you know, you have shows that are maybe two hours long one week and one and a half hours the next or, and on it goes. And, and it was very difficult to schedule around that. Right. You know, I'm a radio guy, right? So everything was fixed. I, my my uh, approach at the moment is with a lot of the work I do, everything has to be 57 minutes and 43 seconds. <laughs> that's my exact time. That's the only time I have in the schedule. So that's my kind of fixed time. And when, you know, you come to this with podcasters, well, frankly, you do, you guys just don't care because you don't need to care, right? Because you've got all the time in the world. You could keep, well, I could keep talking for the next four hours and you could just let it run on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to do that uh, just in case people are just about to hit the off button. Um, although I can tell you, I am an excellent cure for insomnia. If you've got trouble with sleeping, you should listen to me at night. I guarantee you I'll get to sleep. Never mind pills. Um but Way to sell the station there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not on it all the time. That's why. No, um, so it's perfectly fine. You can listen in. It's safe. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the thing is that we, because we get these shows at different lengths, it was very difficult to schedule around. And that was partly why we thought, well, let's bring in some music. Let's bring in some ways for us to to kind of buffer, if you like, right. around, the, um, around this content so we can push it apart enough to give us set times for shows. So that's what we're going to aim to do. And then we're going to build in more uh, exclusive bespoke shows that will appear and uh, more appointment listening shows. For example, we'll have a breakfast show at some point. Um, one thing we, we started out with was the intention to not have a base for the channel. So it was essentially an international station, mm -hmm. didn't have a time zone, didn't have a, a scheduled a time, again, based on that basis of the playlist, uh, you know, just rotating round. But again... I felt it had to, the station had to have some kind of base. Now I'm based in the UK. Sean's based in the UK, so we chose Cambodia. No, I'm only kidding. We chose the UK, yeah. and we said that's going to be our base, and uh, we want to kind of root everything in the UK, so we have a sense of time, and you know we we can then schedule appropriately, and, and we think we think that with the new schedule we've got in mind, and and when we get it on air. I hope that the international audience will be able to enjoy it as well because we'll have programming that will appeal to as many audiences as possible as we move around the clock. Well, okay. Have we talked enough about the network? You want to dive into some other stuff? Yeah, let's do that. 
Wow, where to start? Well, you know what? I, I noticed that you guys just recently, you guys were talking about, uh, and I think we covered it on a, on a past show. We just mentioned the, the fact that it was out there. But so they have now built a mask that uh, also has bone conduction technology built into it. What have you guys found with that? And can you flesh it out a little bit more for us? Well, this is this is mine, isn't it, Sean? Because um, because I think it's an absolutely <laughs> terrible idea. Do you? Why? Best thing I've ever heard in my life. But Stephen loves it, apparently. Well, look, it, it fuses two things together. My safety, uh, your safety, and bone conduction headphones. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love technology, as you know. Um, you may have guessed. And one of the things that I... I was interested in was was getting a face mask that not only would keep me safe but also make me look absolutely awful uh, to other people almost like i'm not wearing the mask and um i uh, looked into this one and i have to say i've not seen it very well i've not I've looked at the pictures best i can but i can't really make it out apparently this thing makes me look like hannibal lecter <laughs> uh, once i get it um it's, it's a horrific looking mask that only someone from saw would wear and um it has in it bone conduction uh, headphones. Well, I say headphones. It's it's not headphones, is right. it? Because it's it, the kind of, oh, cheekbones almost. Yeah, the vibrators, I think they are, aren't they? In the yeah, that's right. I mean, because you think about if you wear a pair of... You've heard of Aftershocks, right? So you yep. guys know Aftershocks. Um, the the headphones that kind of come on. You, you can wear them around the back of your head and they kind of rest. The speakers kind of rest on your cheeks. It's the same kind of technology that really exists there. So that the actual sound gets transmitted through the cheekbone into your head, I guess. I'm not a medical expert. Yeah. Um, but that's the the sense I get. Don't and see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may not you may notice I'm not an MD, um, <laughs> but I'll give you my opinion anyway. Uh, but yeah, so so the sound gets in via the cheekbones, which when you think about it, therefore, with a face mask, makes perfect sense because that's you know with the way the 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 way the face masks is in your face, it's right there. It's right at your cheekbones. Yeah. So the sound will transfer it. Yeah. It will. It'll be beautiful. Terrible. Look, look a face mask, you're not going to be wearing it for that amount of time. And I'm washing the thing, you know? It's no, 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 no. Just get a normal face mask and get yourself a pair of aftershocks if you really love bone conduction. And who loves bone conduction anyway? Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've... I say I've ordered one. A friend of mine had to buy it because it's not available to buy in the UK. Um, and, you know, I don't know when it'll arrive. So I, I said to my friend, look, can you just buy me one and I'll you know, give you the money whenever I you know, decide to see you again? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you next time I'm in Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I know I'll never need to pay that bill. But, um, yeah, the, the, <laughs> these cost $99, by the way. And oh, yeah, no, it's a considerable amount of money for a face mask. Someone said to me, and you said it just there, Sean, you know, what, how do you wash these things? I mean, obviously you can't stick your bone conduction headphones in the in the uh, washing machine. Well, no, you can't, but it will have uh, a removable filter that you can take out and wash that, and that is what you'll replace. And of course, you can give these things a wipe down. Um, microphone built in as well. So, you know, having calls. I actually quite like the sound of this because, you know, have you ever, I mean, trying to have a conversation with bone conduction headphones, the aftershocks in particular was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. There's the microphone in there from the version I tried. And like you, Ryan, it was a couple of years ago. It wasn't great. I'm, I'm sure it's improved since, but it wasn't great at the time. Right. And, you know, I, I remember calling you, Sean. I always call Sean. Anytime I get something new, I call Sean immediately. Like, Can you hear me? And, 
The, yeah, and the <laughs> and the answer was I have no idea who this is, and I had to bin them immediately because it was just useless. Um, do you think it, the the components in this face mask are going to be better than aftershocks? Um, not for no, the price. They, I'd like to hope so. Absolutely, they are not. <laughs> It, well, look, he's, he's, no, but here's the thing, right? I'm, I'm not using this to listen to the best of uh, Celine Dion or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, yeah, big <laughs> fanboy for that. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm not going to be listening to music on this. This is purely for me, for voiceover. And I love this idea. This will make me actually enjoy my mask more. I hate wearing a mask. Look, wearing a mask is awful. Who wants to be strangled while going shopping? Not me. You're not being so, you know, let's, let's not say that. But Well, no, but you know what I mean? It's just it's a horrible feeling having, yes. you know, being choked and, as you so walk around why, a store. Why make the mask heavier, more clunky, make it harder to clean? Just wear a normal mask and wear anything else, any other headphones, any aftershocks, anything else rather than this. Well, let's segue Let's segue into the, the new Bose AR frames that are being talked about and i believe our bluetooth as well you know have you guys looked at the specs on these or what do you know about them well i've already got the original pair of bose frames i got them not immediately after they came out but because i did try them and at first i thought these are terrible i was in a store actually um, remember those days stores <laughs> and um i was in this place and uh far away times and i was asked to try them uh, by the guys do you want to try these out and I said yeah do you know what I will and I put them on my face and I thought the sunglasses good part start. yeah it's always a good start isn't it putting sunglasses on <laughs> I, I'm an expert you know and um, I put them on and the sunglasses were okay uh, not dimming as much light as I would have liked because for me I wear sunglasses all the time anyway so it kind of made sense for me to, to wear them because of the, the issues I've got with light perception so I thought well these would be great um they don't dim out a huge amount of sunlight, but okay, that was we got by that part of it. Then I put on the audio, and I thought, it's okay, it's not too bad. I could hear the music that was playing from the phone. He'd connected it to my phone so I could um, to do that. But bear in mind, I'm in a store, very busy, lots of people around, and um, I could hear the music pretty clearly, but my, my, my wife said to me, I could also hear it very clearly as well, standing next to you, because it was so blooming loud coming out of your headphones. So that was a concern. And then on top of that, we then tried a call, and I tried to call my wife, and I could barely hear a word she was saying, and even that was with full volume. So I thought, first off, the levels here are far too quiet in some ways, but equally too loud because, you know, the sound is just leaking out. This is not bone conduction. That's the difference here. So the bone conduction audio mask is that. The sound goes into your head. Whereas what happens with Bose frames is the sound is kind of fired. It's called a firing audio at your ear. Right. Um, which means that it will obviously hit your ear, but also hit other people's ears as well. And um, yeah, I found that a little bit uh, irritating. So, you know, I, I love them again for voiceover. I adore them for that. In fact, my my out my kit when I used to leave the house was, you know, I'd have my Bose frames on, I'd have my Braille display or a Bluetooth keyboard, and I'd have my iPhone in my pocket. And that was my kind of day, you know, sorted. I had everything there. So I didn't have to have ear pods in and pull them out so I could talk to people and all that jazz. You could just talk away and you could, you know, have a conversation with open ears. Also travel with open ears as well. So you wouldn't get mown down by the number 43 bus um, whilst you were trying to navigate, you know, your banking app. Um, so, you know, all plus points. I, I love them. But I, the only issue was, of course, that the audio 
was leaking much more of the Bose frames. And I don't think these new versions that they're talking about are going to be any better. I haven't looked to see if there's any specifications on whether or not the Bluetooth has been upgraded to a new version, if the design is similar, or, or if anybody out in the field has tested Slightly them Slightly different design, um, more rounded at the front. The, the, ones, the ones I've got, and when I say rounded, I mean rounded in towards your face. Um, the, there are two versions at the moment, the Alto and the Rondo. Right. And uh, the Alto is, um, is kind of more square frame, the Rondo is more round. Um, whereas these ones are more kind of, I would say they're more like ski goggle glasses um, that, or, you know, those kind of wraparound sunglasses, right. mm -hmm. which in some ways is quite nice. I like the sound of that. Um, thinner bezels at the front, so not quite as, as thick uh, frames as you get at the moment with those. Um, same headphones, same design, at least as far as we know. And these are from early FCC filings. Uh, no word on the actual type of Bluetooth. Uh, whether it'll be Bluetooth 4 or Bluetooth 5. Mm -hmm. um, but we do know that it will have a USB-C connector, which I love the idea of that because at the moment it's the Bose's own connector, okay. which is, I mean, it's, it's okay because it's magnetic, so that's good. But, you know, I've lost mine already. Right. I have no idea where it is. Um, although I'm blind, so it'll probably be my foot. Uh, but, you know, I'll find it, you know, in a year or get someone else in with eyes to find it. Uh, but, you know, that's the that's the only irritant. Whereas I've got tons of USB-C cables lying around, and if I could just plug it in with that. So that's a good thing. I do I do quite like that. Yeah, and Sean, what's your kind of experience with Bluetooth audio? Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Stephen thinks I've got no standards when it comes to audio quality, and I'll be yeah, honest. Because you don't. I, no, I do, you see. that's That's the difference. I don't like bluetooth speakers i find this whole explosion and bluetooth speakers are amazing this whole single speaker setup i hate i'd rather have some um equally priced bookshelf speakers that i attach a bluetooth transmitter to or something sounds so much better who wants to go back to mono after stereo i know there's 360 <laughs> sound and all that doesn't sound the what same. are you talking about? So, are you, you going to walk down the street with a pair of bookshelf speakers I'm attached to your head? I'm getting to headphones. Just barely. You've been speaking for about six hours. Just wait a minute. So when it comes to Bluetooth headphones... That's me actually, too. I think they sound great. There is that old problem of the lag, you know, the Bluetooth lag. I'm not actually sure how much of it... Stop it how much of a difference the uh, new Bluetooth 5 protocol makes to something like that, because I don't use them a lot. I do prefer the wired headphones. Right. When it comes down to the Bose frames, though, isn't it just a case that this FCC filing is just the current Bose frames, slightly different style, and the AR sensors all taken out? So it's exactly the mm. same, just without the AR? Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't touch on that, actually. Yeah, you're right, because the, the augmented reality, which was a main feature of the Bose frames mm -hmm. when they came out, um, they did ditch that project. I think coronavirus put paid to that. I mean, Bose have been having a lot of financial issues right. over the past few years, and um, I don't think this, this recent uh, period has helped at all. A number of stores are also closing as well, Bose stores around the world. So, you know, that, and they decided to shelve the entire AR program, which did mean people when people lost their jobs, which was a shame, of course. Um, but yeah, th th that has, and that you might be right, Sean. I, and I guess we're kind of hoping as well that if that's the case, if, if they are going to bring this out without AR and just sell it as the frames, then maybe we'll see a bit of a reduction in price as well. But I mean, I, I also feel like that that AR component is still, like they're still figuring that market out. I mean, we're still waiting to hear from Apple about whatever they're working on and we know they're working on something 
Um, but you know, again, I think that, that, that whole part of it, it's a little bit early for the market. Yeah. You need the software to back it up. But for the Bose frames example, we only had, as far as I know, we had soundscape. There was talk of Ira, uh, integrating the Bose frames. I don't know if that actually happened. Definitely didn't over here. Um, and there was just no practical use for the AR, even though, you know, in theory, it's great, especially for us. Uh, in the soundscape example, works really well. Right. But yeah. um, you need that software backup, and I don't think Bose had the the clout to get developers on board or other companies on board, as Apple definitely or Google definitely will. But I mean, again, I think that you know what all this stuff comes down to that I think differentiates it from a potential gimmick to something that, you know, could be very useful, you know, it is really just the use case scenario for it. And, you know, bone conduction headphones, um, the, you know, I remember when the Aftershocks first came out and it was a little bit of, it, it did feel a little bit gimmicky, but the use case scenarios for it were so useful in the sense that yeah you can keep your ears open so so yeah if if you are using them to sort of you know maybe they're not the greatest for music but like you know like you said for voiceover it's it's fantastic or Perfect. you know for yeah. calls or whatever it, it gives you that hands-free um experience that could very well be useful when you're when you're out into the world right so I think that that's what a lot of this stuff is going to come down to is just how useful that particular gimmick is. Um, and, and that's always been the, what differentiates, you know, something that, that can be used as something really useful AT wise and something that in the mainstream is kind of a gimmick. Well, yeah. And, and that's ultimately why, you know, I, I started doing the, the technology stuff because there were so many products out there that, just seemed perfect for us. And, you know, we'd look at products and we think, that, that, there's a kind of technology angle here for us as blind people that really resonates. And, and to everyone else, it's just a silly thing. It doesn't really mean very much or it's just a bit of a fun thing. I mean, a, a great example of this for the disabled community is vacuum, um, robot vacuum cleaners. Now, you've got one, Sean. I've got one. Um, and, you know, for us, you know, there's the, yeah, of course, there's a gimmick feature to it. And for, you know, they kind of sell it on that kind of, you know, have some fun and watch the cat, you know, run around the house with, on, on top of a robot. Um, that's lovely. That advert. <laughs> yeah, it was a great advert. Brilliant. Fun Huge campaign. Smart vacuum. <laughs> um, you know, but that that's a great, you know, gimmick, I guess. People might find it some, you know, some fun there. And obviously, there's, you know, they're selling it as a way that you can automate your your home cleaning experience and all that stuff. But, you know, if you're disabled and you're unable to vacuum your own house and you maybe have to pay for a cleaner to come in, maybe you live in a small flat and you've got to pay someone to come in and clean it. If you can take that cost down a bit by employing some automation to your house, well, that makes you that makes you more independent as a person, right? But for everyone else, it's just a nice thing to have. And, oh, isn't that fun? And, oh, oh, oh let me put on the room button. We can all laugh. Um you know, actually, for for a disabled person, that can make the difference between having to pay someone else to do it or do things themselves independently. And I think that's really key. Uh, and that's where a lot of this technology can, like you say, you know, that fusion of of mainstream tech and and accessible tech, really comes together for our benefit. Okay, I want to talk to you guys about Ira. Um, as we have covered, and I'm sure you guys have covered too, they have just recently, or what, what was it? The, the was, five minutes free every day? Yeah, the free five day? minute calling. Yeah. 
That's that's what they've limited it to now. It was five minute calls, but you could hang up and then make another free right. five minute call straight away, and that was unlimited, and that was the the problem. Well, and you know, I have a whole conspiracy theory about this. I really don't <laughs> feel like this is unexpected. I, I think this was planned all along. I think that when they implemented that, I remember saying, like, this is, I don't know that this is sustainable. I, I don't, I, and and I really do think that this was, they always knew that this was something that they were going to discontinue, you know, X amount of months down the road. Uh, I think it was really just about penetrating the market and really getting people used to using the service. And Absolutely. I think you're right. And I think it was brilliant. I, I think it was brilliant on their part. And now, you know, to sort of step that back, people are going to go, okay, well, now I'm kind of dependent on using the service. Maybe I will just, you know, pony up and, and get a subscription. Are you saying IRAs like drug? <laughs> is that what you're saying? I might. <laughs> is that the analogy you're making for, here? For some. No, look, from a marketing and PR point of view, it makes absolute sense. You know, give people a taste of the service because Iris service is amazing. And um, to allow people to, to try it out uh, is great. And I heard a lot of. So, so when Ira announced that they were now going to limit the amount of free five minute calls, so. If you are not a subscriber, you can have one call every 24 hours. If you are a subscriber, you can have five minutes free every four hours. Um, people were, were really shocked by this, but I think you're absolutely right. It, it wasn't sustainable, and I don't think it was even planned to be that. It was just a, a taster of, hey, we're great. Try us out. Yeah, and I think it's going to make users of the system maybe take a step back for a second and say, you know, can I use Beam AI's or can I use Seeing AI or Envision AI, some other solution to do the task I'm needing to do without using up, you know, that five minute call or paying for a subscription. You know, the, the main difference with Ira that, you know, I'm aware of is that Ira are trained. You can provide them with, you know, confidential information and be, be ensured that it's protected and safe. Um, you know, it's where would be my eyes, you know, they are volunteers. Yeah. It's all about tools in the toolbox for me. You know, you're never going to cut up a hot dog with a spoon. You know, you're going to want the right tool for the job. Oh, have you tried it? It might work just well, fine. Of course I've tried. I'm a guy. I've lived alone. Um, you know, I've, I've never washed dishes in my life because I'm fundamentally against it because of human rights against uh, knives and forks. But, um, you know. Moving on from that. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving you hanging there. I'm not yeah, no, thanks. Um, but, you know, for, for me, it is about tools in the toolbox. There are so many different uh, things. And I think if you have paid for a subscription for Ira, you're probably going to think again about how you use your minutes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're wondering if your socks match today, you may be thinking, ah, I'm not going to use those minutes now for, you know, to get an Ira agent on to do that. Right. I'll ask someone to be my eyes. And that's cool. You know, that, that makes perfect sense. But if you, however, need to set up a detailed travel plan for that day or you need to research some information for something or you've got a real problem with your computer that, or something you're trying to access and you just can't, then Ira will give you that support there. Ira is much more than Be My Eyes. And I, I, yes. I get into the trap for a while on the shows about talking uh, about Ira almost as if, you know, they were the same offering as Be My Eyes. And it's, that's not fair. And I've been put right on that a number of times. It's not the same. They are very different products, and you know, Be My Eyes is brilliant. I mean, I 
I, I continually talk about how much I love Be My Eyes from the, the volunteer support where, you know, I the, the year previous to using Be My Eyes, I bought a card for my wife. And we'll all laugh at this, but I didn't find it funny at the time. She found it funny. I didn't. I bought a card for my wife for her birthday. And um, you know, I'd gone in and I'd bought the card by myself and I was all very pleased with myself. And I get home and I give her the card and she says, that's lovely, but it's not my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's funny and it is funny, yeah. right? But it's also... Mm -hmm really not funny yep. because you get so annoyed at yourself. It's like, why am I, oh, what a stupid thing to do. Yeah. And it's, it's my stubbornness that caused it. Why didn't I just ask the person, right. you know, behind the counter, look, you know, what was the, the card or, you know, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do this on my own. I wanted, this was a personal thing. Uh, I mean, it could have been a lot worse in fairness <laughs> when you think yes. about it. Um, but, you know, I, I bought her that card and the next year I went out to buy her, her birthday card and I thought, right, this time, I'm going to use some help. And I, I you know, got the phone on and I, I set up in my eyes and I contacted this woman. And I said, I'd really like to buy this card. And she said, okay, she said, show me the card. And she read the whole card through. It was the first time in probably years that I'd ever actually known what a card said yeah. inside the actual words. And I was able to say, yeah, do you know what? That, that card doesn't really, it's not hitting the mark. What about this one? And she would read through that one. And then I'd say, do you know what? That's the card. That's the one. And... When my wife got the card, she was able to, you know, for once get a card that was, you know, A, the right one, but also B, actually had the meaning inside as, as I intended it to be. And that meant a lot. And, and you know, similarly, when I got a card from my office, I'd, I'd had a, a health scare, a pretty bad one a few years back. And um, I got a card from the office and I couldn't read it, obviously. I couldn't read anything that was written on it. And I was able to use, um, you know, Seeing AI, the new handwriting feature, right. to actually read the card and read the people's um you know messages that they've written on it things like you know don't ever come back and you know, <laughs> we thought you've been fired um you know you should be fired all you know nice messages and um you know it, honestly it was it was actually quite emotional for me you know i was i was quite like oh i can read this you know and it meant a lot so you know um i, I think these these are brilliant apps and you know these are fantastic things and ira will will uh, you know and, and continue all of that and give us even more yeah, and I think these services and apps are allowing us to put our stubbornness or our pride aside a little more than we would have in the past and be willing to ask for help. You know, we're, we want to be as independent as possible, but sometimes we need, we need to be helped. And these services yeah, right. seem to be making us a little bit more comfortable in asking for help. And we hate asking for help, don't yeah. we? I mean, we do. Of course we do, right? We want to do things ourselves. I, and, I love it. <laughs> no, I hate it. I hate asking for help. If I, don't, if I can do it myself, I'd rather. But there's something about the delivery of the help. So when you go and be my eyes, you're not getting, oh, hello. Oh, that's a shame that you can't read that card. <laughs> you're not getting that. You're getting, yeah, no problem. Okay, how can I help you? And it's weird because... These are the same people who I bump into who do exactly that every day. Right. I mean, there can't be a special you know, section of society coned off from the rest of us that, you know, just know exactly how to speak to us as human beings. Yeah. I don't know what kind of level of support, if any, Be My Eyes gives to people who volunteer. I don't know if they give any information at the start. I don't have a clue. But the people who are on Be My Eyes, I've, I've not had one bad experience. Not anybody who's been... Um, unapproachable or you know unfriendly or anything else and and i think as well just just to round off that point about be my eyes 
the one other thing I love about it is the uh, specialist support that you get, the direct to Microsoft. Right. I mean, you know, I'm I'm seeing this on, on Double Tap. We just re recorded the episode, and I was saying, you know, I, I'm all for equality, but you know, when it comes to services that give you just a little bit more, or you know, push you to the front of the queue, as a blind person, I'm kind of I'm for that. I'm okay with that. Um, so, you know, and that's what Microsoft offer essentially with their disability answer desk via Be My Eyes. You get right through to someone in seconds. And, you know, today I had this experience where I had a problem with the computer. Um, I had no Microsoft store. I have no idea why. <laughs> and um, I, I couldn't find it. And I said, look, can you find it? And they said, no, we can't find it either. And they had to basically go and um, repair my Windows installation. Right. And they did all that remotely, took them about an hour and a half, fixed the problem, and then, you know, and stayed with me the whole time. And it was amazing wow. the level of support I got. And I thought I wouldn't, I mean, I might have got that support. Of course, I would have got that support, you know, as anybody else. But, you know, I feel I would have jumped through a lot more hoops to get to that right. as a sighted person. Well, and I think that, you know, you, 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 you struck it perfectly when you talked about tools in the toolbox. And really, we see the same thing, or we say the same thing about screen readers a lot of the times. Um, a lot of the time. JAWS is, is great in specific situations, um, but NVDA does the trick in a lot of other situations. So it's really what it comes down to is having that choice for the, for the users to be like, to, to have options open to them where it's just like, you know what, if you are going to be traveling on a, on a trip or something, uh, then something like Ira is going to be what this, the type of solution that you're going to want to have. You're, you're not going to want to try to navigate an airport using be my eyes unless you have a, you know, a death wish. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Exactly. Um, so there was an interesting, know. we recently spoke to JJ Meadow from uh, Blind Bargains about Ira, and he told me something that I hadn't really thought about before, and that he rarely uses the actual live video, the camera of the Ira app. Um, rather, he will have the Ira agent remote into his computer because he uses it a lot for his business. Right. So, you know, for reading PDFs or doing whatever on the computer. And it's that sort of difference of the amount of extra control that Ira got that or has that you won't get from a Be My Eyes volunteer. But that's not to say it's any less valuable Be My Eyes at all because they have that specialist help feature. And the volunteers, as Stephen said, I've never had a bad experience. And the amount of volunteers that's on there, the ratio of sighted to uh, blind and visually impaired users of Be My Eyes is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this then, um, you know, having sort of a, a bit of a finger on the pulse of the community, what was the reaction when Ira did this? Oof. Was, um, was there a lot of negative sort of response to this? Because, you know, all that, all that goodwill that maybe they, they built up over the past six, eight months, did that all disappear? Or do you think that they did actually see a spike in subscriptions? Well, you know, the thing is that, you know, no group speaks in one voice, right? I mean, let's be honest about it. No matter what your, your situation is, no matter who you are, um, you know, we've all got different opinions on this. And I think it's fair to say there was a, a range of opinions on this, uh, leaning perhaps towards it was slightly unfair for them to do this. But a lot of people as well, and I think it depended where you were with Ira. For people who paid for Ira, there was a sense of, well, it's about time they closed that particular door. Because why am I paying for this? And, mm -hmm. and this guy over here is getting it, you know, essentially just as long as he hangs up every five minutes, he can continue to use the service for free. 
Whereas on the other side of the coin, those who weren't paying for it were saying, I want more free stuff. And you, you know, that depends. Yeah. yeah, it is understand perfectly understandable when you think about it. So I, I think that was the kind of general view from where you stood. I mean, I, I'm more, I, I don't, I'm not subscribed as in I'm not paying. I've, I've signed up Tyra, but I'm not paying for it. And I actually haven't made a call yet. I'm kind of, <laughs> I have this in my head that I have to wait until there's something really important I need to do and then I'll get them on. But then I'm also conscious that it's my first call and they'll probably want to ask me questions so they can set up my account and I never seem to have the time. But I, I want to actually do that um, at some point so that I can start using it. But yeah, I, I think to answer the question, it's it's really, is a mixed view. And I think where I stand on it is someone who doesn't pay for it and, and hasn't used the services yet. I think that there should be an element of free, which there is, the five minutes a day, and I think that's great. I think that's that's the right balance. I'm not I'm not entirely sure about the conspiracy theory idea you've got. I I, I get it, um, and maybe it was. Maybe it was always in the plan. But also, part of me feels they thought, let's do this, um, see how it goes, and and then realised how many people were perhaps using it for free. I think the the bigger conspiracy theory there might be, uh, and I'm stealing your idea here, Sean, is that. You know, the IRA were actually using this as a way to bump up the subscription numbers, get more people in, you know, get more subscribers on board, um, or people signed up to IRA, but only, you know, who only would be using it for free, but, you know, would give you a sense of a higher proportion of people who would have joined up if it was only a, a paid for service. Um, I think that might be closer to the truth. Um, and I have nothing against that at all. I mean, you would you could say, well, that's unfair to do that. But then any service that wants to be retained has to has to be paid for. And I think that's the bottom line. I've heard that comment a lot from the community as well. Look, you know, I want to pay for this because I I believe in it. I mean, how many times I use a, a an app for the for PC now called TW Blue. It's a Twitter app that I absolutely love. Yep. And every time it starts, it says, look, you know, we can't do this for nothing. We need your support. And I think that's important. I think, and, you know, and I'm always going to do it and I will do it. Of course I will. But, you know, it's one of those things that I think is so important that if you want something to continue, if you believe in it, if you love it, if you use it, then you should put towards it. And I sometimes think, actually, we don't, as a community, get asked to... I know this is a very difficult argument to make because we get, we get paid, we get charged so much for some things and then other things we get for nothing. And there never seems to be that balance, does there? You know, I feel when, when it comes to certain services, there's a, well, maybe we shouldn't ask people to pay for this because, you know, if we ask people to pay, those poor blind people, you know, they'll maybe explode if we uh, mention, you know, that we have to pay for something. Meanwhile, if you want a Braille display, that'll be five grand, yeah. thanks. Um, yeah. I, you know, there needs to be a balance somewhere. I think we should pay for things. Of course we should. Um, you know, if you if you can afford to pay, if you have the means, then you should. In Scotland, where I live, there's a free travel service that exists for all blind people. Every blind person in this country can use public transport, be it a, a bus, be it a train, be it a subway, be it a ferry to take you over to the islands. You can use all of that for free. Example, my wife and I went on our honeymoon and it cost us to get from the bottom of Scotland to the top of Scotland and into the islands and Shetland Islands and Orkney Islands and all of that, 50 pence. Outrageous. Nothing. I know I was disgusted. <laughs> what, to pay 50 pence? Uh, and that was only to book a bus. That was only to book a seat on the bus. If I didn't book the seat, I wouldn't have had to pay the 50 pence. But th the point is that, you know, that's great, 
But should it be blanket? Should it be the case that every single person who's blind gets that for free? That tells me that there's a sense out there from people that, you know, blind people could never afford to ride the bus or ride the subway or ride the train. And that's just not true. There are many blind people out there who've got good jobs and, and work hard and, you know, earn good money. We should be paying in. And that's where I, you know, kind of lose the, the thread of the argument of, you know, well, you know, as a blind person, I should have special exception. I think there should be exceptions for people who need the exception, not for everyone. Send all your comments to feedback at ami.ca. <laughs> and they will. Stephen Scott. Yeah, and they will. It's a hard line for anyone to walk. Though, it is. It? Because I heard, um, you know, with the high unemployment rate amongst blind and visually impaired people, then the argument is, well, the IRA pricing is far too high. Now, personally, I don't agree with that. I think the intro uh, tier is actually pretty reasonable. Um, and given a five-minute call, there is a free option there. Now, maybe it's not enough or what people wanted, but a free call every day is actually pretty generous for a business to, to give away. So I actually haven't got a problem with it. Some of the, the um, backlash I saw was... It was strange, but people were saying this is because users have abused the system. They were constantly yeah. on it, hanging up, making the call, hanging up. And that's the reason why. But the, the flip side of that is that Ira allowed it. They yeah. could have quite easily said, okay, no, you, you've had your, your limit. But they allowed that to happen. So um, I don't actually blame people for using it if it's made available. And it's not like anyone was working around the system or found a loophole. They were using it as advertised. And I think Stephen makes a good point, you know, about if we we who are blind have the ability to pay for services, we should be. You know, you look at IRA, you look at NVDA or TW Blue, you know, if we want quality products, there is something we should be giving back to that community. Or we're going to be stuck with the JAWS and the Supernovas and, you know, may have limited access to services or websites or products that we need access to. So, you know, I have no problem myself if somebody's blind paying for a service, as long as it's, you know, a, a quality service like NVDA, an open source project team of like four people. And, you know, I'm sure Sean would agree it's amazing. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It changed everything. It yes. did. Yeah. I like it. But But the thing is, right, so if we pay... Because this is the other way to look at it, right? If you're in a position where, you know, and I'm not going to lie, right? I've done well with my life. So I'm, if I'm in a position I can pay for something, then I am happy to do that if that means that someone who can't afford it can get it. Yes. And that's the thing about it because it safeguards the future of whatever it is, be it an app or a service or otherwise, but it also allows someone else, if they can't afford it, to use it. And, you know, it's, it's maybe a more... I know the word socialist these days is, is completely frowned upon. And if that's if that's what I am, then shoot me now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't care, right? Because that's that's the way, that's how you look after people, right? Yeah. That, that's that's the right way to look after people, Agreed. in my view. That, you know, you, you know that's like the whole um, NHS here in this country, right? We all pay in in the UK. We all, and it's the same in Canada. You've got the similar kind of system going on there. You know, you pay in, you pay your money. Um, you you take from it what you you need as you need it, but you know you don't you might not need all of it. In fact, you might go through your whole life and only need some services, and that's great. But you've enabled other people to get access to that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, um, and especially I think it's especially pertinent for our our community because 
there are products. I mean, I think about Braille, and I, I don't know what the answer to this is. You, know, you look at Braille products; they're so expensive, and of course, products like from Orbit Research have really changed that. And I'm intrigued to know what happens in the future with Braille because you know you look at the Orbit Writer; that's ninety nine dollars for your you know little keyboard that you've got there, and you can you know hook up to your iPhone and you've got Braille input um, with a physical keyboard. I think is really cool, and at that price point as well. That's great, and then yeah. that'll be really popular, I'm sure. But you know, then you start getting into the forty cell, even the the Orbit writer. You know, you're starting thirteen nine nine. It's still starting to creep up again. Yeah, and obviously, it's even more if you go to Humanware or you go to Focus with uh, devices from uh, Freedom Scientific. So, you know, it's it's. I don't, and I don't know what the solution to that is because, truthfully, these products are always going to be expensive because they're niche products. They're not going to be bought by the mainstream, and unless technology gets to a point where, let's say, the iPad is able to form. Um, almost like a raised screen or a tactile screen on it and actually can create Braille out of a touch screen. And if that day ever comes, well, <laughs> well then there's companies have got a problem. Um, but that is probably the only time we'll ever get to a stage where, where that kind of technology would ever come down in price or, or be eliminated so that, you know, you would choose something else. I just, I, it's a really difficult one because in that, in, in that particular example of Braille, you can't sort of pay it forward. You know, you can't do that because I can't, I'm not, I'm a nice guy, but I'm not going to buy a real display and say, just stick the next one on my tab, um, <laughs> you know, because that's just a little bit excessive. Right. Um, but, you know, if I can do that with software or I can do that with services like Ira, meaning if I pay for it and someone else can get the benefit of a free call, so be it. Yeah, and I think that that's it, it exactly is that, you know, there has to be, there has to be a business case for, accessibility solutions there have to you know if if we want there to be high quality state-of-the-art solutions there has to be a company that's that's behind that that's making money from that um and so you know while i think that there's it's always important to have you know sort of uh, options uh, whether that be free or low cost uh, i i think it is absolutely essential but you know, I think that we have to support these developers and these manufacturers where we can. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it, as, a, as an industry, it's, it's going to die out. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, we, I know we could talk to you guys all day pretty much, um, but we can't because we have jobs, <laughs> unfortunately. Is that an excuse? Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm confused. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the podcast equivalent of us turning the lights on and off, you know, signaling the. Yes, I do have one Factory's question. Going, yeah, I know. I do have one question, Rob. Before we let these guys go, you go ahead. Then. And this yeah. is directed to Sean or Stephen. Either of you can speak up. Where did the story, or how did it evolve into Sean lives in a shed? Oh, we're getting to the serious questions. <laughs> I think it was Stephen that started it. Stephen? <laughs> you are in a shed. This isn't a joke. This isn't made up. This is the reality. Tell tell the listeners what, what happens. Come on, tell yeah, me. Yeah, how it all started. See, in the era of working from home that everyone seems to have just copied me right now. Because, yes, so I have a garden shed and I use it as my studio. So... I've got everything in here, all the computers and the microphones, and I do spend a lot of time here. So when when it was mentioned in the show, um, of course, Sean's in his shed, 
it's sort of stuck. And to be honest, it's kind of true. I, I, I've just moved to a new house and yeah, I don't know every room in that house because I stay in the shed and I love the shed. Who doesn't like a man cave, a shed? You know, it, it's, our, it's our right. It is indeed. Well, thank you. I've been wondering that uh, probably since episode one of Double Tap. So <laughs> he's, he's basically had the longest fight with his wife. And, That's right. And he, he, you know, they've never made up. And <laughs> one day they will, and then this soap opera will end. <laughs> She'll let me in the house. It's yeah. like the Flintstones when he throws the cat out. You That's know? right. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I've just given up and gone to the shed. Awesome. Well, well hey, listen, guys. Uh, it's plug time. It's it's everybody's favorite time. Tell everybody where they can find you. Well, uh, you can listen to uh, Double Tap Canada on uh, AMI Audio. That's every single week, Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern. I can tell you that I'm not, I'm not sure when this is going out, so you um, this may have happened or it will be in progress. Uh, by the time uh, we, we get this but out there. Or but, it'll be stopped immediately. Or it will be cancelled. Yeah, one of the two. Um, but, uh, yeah, the show actually goes live um, as of next episode, uh, which is very exciting. Um, we thought we'd take the chaos of recorded and bring it to life in reality. Um, you know, so if you, um, if you want to listen to a complete train wreck, um, <laughs> then check us out Thursdays, 8pm Eastern. What a plug. I mean, on here, my audio. <laughs> that is the promos. Yeah, that's it. That's the promo right there. Um, but yeah, Double Tap Canada goes live, and um, yeah, that will be fun. You can call in. Yes, you can call in live. Wow. You guys are, uh, you know, you're not allowed. Um, <laughs> you'll just call in and troll me. That's right. Um, but you can listen to it online as well on uh, an internet near you, and uh, you can also catch us uh, on podcast via that internet I mentioned. Uh, wherever you get podcasts, just uh, search for Double Tap Canada. Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada, uh, and you can get us. Uh, I'm also on with Mark Aflalo on Double Tap TV, on AMI-TV, every Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you can join me and Mark as we sort of talk about tech and, and all kinds of interesting stuff, uh, some amazing uh, shows in the new season that we've got coming up with uh, blind filmmaker James Rath, for example. Uh, we talk about The Last of Us Part Two with the, one of the guys involved in um, its inception and uh, someone who helped uh, uh, the company Naughty Dog out in its uh, creation and making that game more accessible. Steve Saylor is on a, an episode. So check all that out. Um, AMI.ca is the place to go for uh, all of our content, ami.ca forward slash double tap for us. And if you want to you know, get involved in the world of double tap and contact us and all that lovely stuff, then go to doubletap.online. Now I'm also available on another podcast. I know, as if I don't do enough. <laughs> you work me like a dog. Um, well, yeah, on this podcast, I'm uh, Tech Talk, you can listen to, which is uh, a product of RNIB Connect Radio out of the UK. And you can listen to that again on internet near you, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for RNIB Tech Talk and uh, check us out. Listen to the show on RNIB Connect Radio. I, I don't know when it's on in Canada um, because, you know, you have a time difference, I believe. So um, I can't tell you, but I can tell you if you're in the UK, you can listen to it. When's it on? Is it a Thursday? I can never remember. A Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday. on. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday's at 1. That's right. Tuesday's at 1 p.m. I'm not even on it, and I know it is. <laughs> 
Well, I don't think Stephen's had dinner yeah. yet. So. Um, Tuesdays at one. There's so many shows I can't keep up. I've got to write it all down and I can't read it, so it That's never right. works. But um, yeah, you'll you'll find me. Just just put the name in, and usually you'll uh, you'll find. If you search for Stephen Scott complaint, I'm sure you'll probably find my show somewhere. <laughs> all right, and Sean, what about you? Oh, I'm wherever he is. I, I just follow <laughs> him much. around. Yeah. So, uh, yes, all right. Uh, Double Tap Canada. Search for Double Tap Canada and you'll find us. All right. Well, hopefully you guys will come back and join us again. It's always a lot of fun to, to talk to you. I'd love to come back. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, good luck with that live show. You guys are a lot braver than we are. <laughs> no, we're doing one in October. Okay, apparently oh, we're there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming on with us at some point, surely. You're coming on with us, aren't you? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got to sort that out. We've got to sort that out. I'll get my people to talk to your people. Sounds good. Excellent, guys. All right. Listen, so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day slash evening, whatever the hell it is over there. Who knows? If only there was a way we could tell. (laughs) Coming out of the shed, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Great. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys. I told you, those guys can talk. They have the gift of gab. Absolutely. You know, Stephen Stephen talks for a living and you can definitely tell. He's always got something to say, witty. Um, it's good. You know, it prods us along and prompts a conversation. I tell you, it is so great when we have other podcasters on the show because it just really reduces the amount of lifting <laughs> that we have to do. We just let them go. Just, we should just invite them on every week to just do our show too. Well, we could. Yeah, we could. We could. You know what's coming up though? What? International Podcast Day. Yeah, that's right. That is coming up this Is it this month or next month? This month, end of the month. So we could actually reach out to a bunch of other podcasters if you wanted to and just talk about podcasting in general. Yeah, that'd be an interesting idea, actually. We should actually do something for that. Hmm. Hmm. Food for thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that was that was a great. That was a, uh, I just love talking accessibility, especially with, with guys like that, because uh, it's just it's so fascinating to me. Well, and they sometimes have different perspectives, you know, being in the UK, they don't always get stuff when we get stuff, like Sean was saying, it was only recently, I think, that they got access to the IRA service. Um, So, you know, other places have had it for a year already. And um, it's interesting just to get their take on what they feel is going on in, in the community and the industry. You know what impresses me? I like the fact that they can disagree and they don't get into fights and want to kill each other. Um, <laughs> that's what we need to I think we need to go to couples counseling or something because we need to be able to work through that. We haven't had a good debate in a while. I know, but whenever we do, it goes terribly wrong. <laughs> they yeah. laugh it off, they joke around, and, and meanwhile, me and you, like you, you have to take like a, a six-month break from the show. <laughs> I didn't take six months, was it? No, I'm there was kidding. three. That's not why you took a break from the show. And you know what's interesting is I can't even remember what months I took off. Was it three months? I think it was about three months. Yeah, I thought it was three, but I've looked. I don't remember what, which months they were, and even if it was this year or last year. Yeah, it was a blur. Yeah, it is. Yeah, all during this COVID crap. Too. Time just flies. No. Um. Okay. Well, hey, we're going kind of long because that was a long conversation. So we better wrap these things up. So, uh, hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell people where they can find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they have a comment, if they have a suggestion, if they had a criticism, 
And if they just want to say hello, uh, cowbell at atbanter.com. They can also tell us off if they like. We'll read that too. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Excellent. They can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on your digital assistants. Oh, really? Hey, that reminds me. Hey, did you order? Uh, oh, wait. Are you on Spotify anymore? I'm Spotify free. I'm not paying the premium anymore. Oh, aren't you? Nope. Yeah, for anybody out there that's, uh, that is a Spotify premium subscriber, uh, don't forget that you can order a Google Mini Nest. Absolutely for- free. Yep. I don't know what I'm going to do with mine, but I ordered it. Because <laughs> I don't turn down free stuff at all. Of course not. So I've only got two rooms, so I don't know. I can, I don't know. Maybe I'll put one in the bathroom or something. I don't, I'm not really sure yet. Well, with my original Google Home Mini, I actually bought a rechargeable battery case for it. So yeah, what you can do is I just take it out on the deck with me if Linda and I are outside and we just have music out there. That's a great idea. Yep. Like recharges, like you just recharge the station and then it Yeah, basically it recharges. Yeah, it, the station is basically a cup-shaped disc and has a little USB dongle popping out of it that plugs into the jack on the Google Home Mini, the original one. And then the base station, you know, plugs into the wall and charges and, you know, get, I forget how many hours you can get out of it, but it lasts for a few anyway. And it just works off your idea. wireless network. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, portable yeah. music if you've got Wi-Fi. Yeah. Hmm. I guess you could probably also use your phone as a hotspot and do it that way as well if you wanted to. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah, actually do that. You should. Write that down. That's a good thing for the Christmas list. Yep. Um. All right. Well, then I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks to everybody for listening in. And, of course, a big thanks to Stephen and Sean for joining us. We will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.